enthusiasts, those who are curious about story, you've come to the right place. That's right. This is the Story Forward Podcast, season three or four, season, depending season, on how you look at it. Season three, our fourth. I won't say it again. Season three, our fourth season. I won't, yeah, I won't yeah, say it again. There you go. <laughs> Stories from the world of sports. Uh, today we have a little bit, I know we promised you uh, an entire season of stories being told on this podcast, but we have a little something different. Uh, as you may also know, if you were a longtime listener of the podcast, each season we have one standalone episode called The Bar Fight. The Bar Fight, which is a live event at the 10th Street Station in Boise, Idaho during Story Fort uh, and Tree Fort. Uh, and yeah, the this was like the third incarnation or the second? Uh, this is actually the fourth, fourth one that we've done, but the yeah. only the second to be recorded for uh, historical sakes. That's right. This, this was a, a pretty rousing discussion about sports. And uh, the premise was during what some might think are dark times, we need sports more than ever. Right. But why do we need sports? In fact, I think the question was, do we need sports? And the answer was a pretty uh, forceful yes. For most folks, we did have a little we had some banter in the audience that was like, what is sport good for? Anyway? Yeah. So. so I, of course, I'm always part of the bar fight, but joining me for this uh, edition of the bar fight was um, National Novel Writing Month Executive Director Grant Faulkner. Um, and sports fan. Sports fan and um, published author. Very much. Um yeah, he's got like four books. He's got a, he's a reality store star, reality and, and perhaps show. future reality star. star. Yeah, um, Boise, Idaho sports radio fixture Mike Prater, who you might remember from uh, the summer stories, the first season of the podcast. We had Mike on to tell some stories about sports. Absolutely, that's what he does. And uh, legendary Boise bartender, musician, <laughs> writer. John Withy, who also known as Happy, denizens of the 10th Street Station, know as Happy. Yes. And it's you ab- and also. me. Yeah, I'm there too. Um, it's about a it's, a, it's a good solid hour of listening. So we're going to get out of your way and uh, let you get into that. Uh, if you happen to come up with some comments about the episode, some things you definitely need to say, we'll hit you on the backside and tell you where to go uh, on social media. Absolutely. But yeah, just be ready. It's a bar fight, meaning the audience gets to hop in there too mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, there's no fisticuffs, Rile but there are, up. I don't know, verbal jabs. Verbal jabs. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go right to that. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that big response. Uh, if you are here to see the bar fight... Do we need sports? Why we need sports? You are in the right place. I am your host, Larry Rosen. I am the co-host of the Story Forward podcast. Let me tell you who's up here with me. Down at the end there, uh, needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He is the co-host of Prater and the Ballgame on KTIK 93.1. He is a columnist with the Idaho Press, blueturfsports.org. Is that correct? Call. Calm. I can't read my writing. I probably wrote it for you. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and before we started up here, we got him to admit that he is the newspaper man for Boise Sports. Well, yeah. Or was it the journalist the for Boise? The man. The man. The source of news. The I, do, I do appreciate that, but let's, let's, we'll, 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 we'll change that over the next two hours real fast. <laughs> 
Next to him, only slightly less well-known in this room, you may know him as your favorite bartender, but he lists Woo! himself as a bartender, sports watcher, participant in life, and I added Kardashian conspiracy theorist. <laughs> True. John, John Withy, you know him as happy. And directly to my left, bringing, bringing an erudite air to the panel. The author of the recent short story collection, All the Comfort Sin Can Provide. The author of Pep Talks for Writers. The author of Brave the Page. The author of Fisher's 100 Word Stories. The executive director of National Novel Writing Month. The co-founder of 100 Word Story. The host of the Right Minded Podcast. Co-host. Co-host of the Right Minded Podcast. Unrepentant Iowa Hawkeyes fan, Grant Faulkner. And I'll be answering questions, do we need sin? <laughs> That's an easy one. Kind of goes along with sports, doesn't it? So the idea we have here is we get four people up here. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four. If you were here, if you were here last time, you saw three. The Bar Fight Podcast is a collection of people arguing about one point. Starts out as one point, but it definitely expands from there. This time we're going to argue about sports. It's sort of counter programming for Tree Fort, don't you think? So I'm just going to start by asking each member of the panel uh, a straightforward question, and that question will be Do we need sports? Mike, why do we need sports? Ooh, I could take up the whole two hours. You guys all right with that? This makes my job a lot easier. I can easily do that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I grew up, uh, I mean, I, I, I was a sports fan by the time I was one, and I grew up in a sports family, and uh, so sports has been the most important part of my life outside of family and friends since the day I was born. Sports is more important, I think, I'm not going to even hedge it, sports is the most important thing that we have, it really truly is, because um, for many, many reasons, the diversity reasons, the passionate reasons, the fandom reasons, the championship reasons, but... Sports to me comes down to one thing and one thing only, and I'm going to have to give credit to the girlfriend over here, not that there's a shout out, but she was talking to me about this last night, and she said something to me that really, really resonated to me, and this really is what it boils down to, and this is what I'd like to debate for the next two hours. Communities. We all live in communities. Everybody lives in a community. There's only two things in the world that unite a community, that brings the passion out in the community, that brings out... Um, unity and togetherness and all the things that we used to love and embrace before things got really weird in our life. And those two things are sports and tragedy. You pick which one you want. You want sports? Even if you're not a sports fan, would you rather have sports or tragedy? Those two things always unite a local community. I don't care if it's 10 people in Filer, Idaho. I don't care if it's Manhattan or, or Beijing, China. Sports unites a community just more than anything else does. There's nothing else that brings everybody together in terms of championships and banners and parades and feel-good moments and all these NCAA Sweet 16 teams and all their 16 communities. It's all about the sports and the passion. And I'll take that over tragedy every single day. I got a couple thoughts. First thought is there's going to be nothing left for us by the time they get to us. No, I, I got those. I stopped. Don't, second speak, of all, don't speak for me. Larry. Okay. Second of all, it's obvious that one person on this panel talks about sports professionally. <laughs> Happy, why do we need sports? I thought Mike said it pretty well. Uh, as a bartender, you have people and they sit down and they want to talk to you about their problems and stuff. But if you can change it to sports and their problems are sports, it's really easy to identify with and then you can help them out and 
get the thing going. I mean, it brings the community together, like Mike was saying. Yeah, I have no arguments against that. Great. This is supposed to be a bar fight, damn it. Yeah. Oh, it's not a kumbaya moment. Well, I mean, you know, it's sports or politics yeah. in a bar, yeah. right? I'd rather hear somebody's sports opinion than a political opinion. Yeah, and certainly politics don't bring people together. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we don't we don't want to go there. Sorry for bringing but, up the P word. But does sport, but does sport, does sports bring people together? Oh, we're going to get to you. Don't worry. In a way, yeah, because there, you know, there's a game that's played. There's a set of rules that everybody abides by. You know, the personalities individually outside of that, that's the, the parts where we can argue about. But frankly, other than regional differences, we're playing the same game everywhere. So it's a uniting factor. I'm actually going to put a pin in that because I want to hear what Grant has to say about why we need sports. But I already know what my next question is going to be. Good. Larry's on top of things here. Yeah, it's my job. Um, do, do, do people know the band The Pixies? Yeah, good. Good. And so if you know The Pixies, do you know, do you know the lead singer, Black Francis? Or yeah. Frank Black, depending Frank on what, yeah. what time. I like Frank Black, yeah. But anyway, either one. Uh, when I was in my mid-20s and hanging around, whatever, very very artsy people in San Francisco who called most of sports just kind of a gen generic sports ball, you know, in, in, in a kind of, you know, intentionally condescending way. Except the World way. Cup. And so, yeah, maybe it could be the World Cup. Oh, boy. That's next. I, I can only answer one question. Let it be noted that the first heckler is my wife. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, that was good. That was a good tangent. That could, jumped right yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I was in these arts in these artsy circles in San Francisco where people weren't exactly reverent of sports. And I read this Black Francis quote where he said, if it weren't for the sports page, I would commit suicide. And I thought that summed it up, actually. Like, sports gives you a reason to wake up and not be sad and to take part in the community and, and think about the world in a different way, actually. And how much do you love it when you read something like that? When I, like, when I read that Perry Farrell watches the Jets every Sunday, I was like, how great. I could go to Perry Farrell and talk about sports. you got to have a great Sunday afternoon with Perry with Farrell. Perry Farrell, right? Yeah. It might be a little weird. Yeah. But, um, so to build on what you were saying about, about does sports actually bring us together, um, my question is, does that count for players or fans? Does it bring fans together? 100% it brings fans together. I mean, it's not 100%. Well, no, but, it's not 100%. But have you ever lost a friend over sports? In my profession, probably. Yeah. I think I lost one yesterday, actually. But uh, um, it, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can get ugly. It can get nasty. But I think most sports fans, whether the Jets or the Giants, or baseball, or football, absolutely. Uh, I, I think we're more willing to give another person a break if, if, if they like sports that we don't like. If they tell me something about politics that they don't like, we're going to fight. If they tell me something about sports I don't like, we're going to argue, we're going to have a bar fight, but we're going to love and hug and kiss it out at the end of the day. But I think there are some people who get an actual physical altercation. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I have a story. All right. Uh, I grew up in Iowa. So in, in Wait, Iowa, what? Yeah, the great state of Iowa. So in Iowa, basically, you know, there are no, no professional sports teams, so everybody pays intense attention to the college sports. They, so, can, they can understand that here. So Okay, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Idaho. Uh, Iowa, Idaho. Iowa, Iowa Idaho yeah, gets confused yeah. all the time. Um, but, so I know some Iowa State Cyclone fans who will not drive their car through Iowa City where the University of Iowa will. They will not enter that county because they, they, they have such bad feelings about being beaten by Iowa. So it, it is a divisive force at the same time that it is a force. Especially at the together. college level. 
I remember a story, University of Idaho athletic director, uh, about 15 years ago, coming to Boise for an important meeting. And it was like a Tuesday afternoon. And he went to the regional airport in Moscow, Lewiston, and the Alaskan airline, as we've all seen, had a Boise State logo on it. He missed the meeting. <laughs> he would not get on the airplane. He would not get on the airplane. Both of you guys are from the Bay Area. And if we can really get down and dirty about this, Giants, Dodgers, fights in the parking lot, deaths in the parking lot, beaten to a bloody pulp, going into a coma in the parking lot, just because you're wearing a Giants uniform. And we were in a bar watching a 49ers game in Medford, Oregon recently, and there were Raiders people in there. Is that allowed? And they were, and it's just the whole, nobody was safe. We're getting a little off the unity theme. Well, I just... I mean, those Raiders fans unite. <laughs> Boy, they sure do. Their common enemy is everybody else. <laughs> There's nothing that brings people together like a common enemy. Well, yeah. I mean, that's sort of, yes. That's a good point, and it speaks to what Mike was saying earlier about community. You know, and it may not be the most healthy kind of community. A community based on devices. Ooh. I want to take this opportunity to point out that heckling is encouraged. However, if actually asking a question is more your style, there will be a Q&A. Uh, after a while, just you know, after a while, I'll decide when I get to about nine o'clock when. tonight. <laughs> See how long I can keep him here. Let's get him drunken up first. Well. Okay. Oh, can you not hear in the back? Because we don't. Can our, you hear me now? If you're gonna heckle, we're please gonna move have forward. to. We're gonna have to talk in closer to the mic because our sound guy's gone. Can you not do something? Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Wynn. Hey, that's Christian. Hey, he knows how volume works. Woo, woo, woo. Story for I know him as Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> While he's doing that, let me uh, go. I actually have uh, some controversial note cards here. <clears throat> controversial. Larry, pre- Larry prepared. Controversial because they are note cards, and I got a lot of grief for using note cards. I think, was it? Oh, it's 1978. Is that what I heard? Maybe. But I got note cards. What I want to do now is get a little bio from, from all you guys. Um, your history playing sports and your histories as a fan. Grant, let's start with you. Yeah, I, I have a great history of um, playing sports. Lay it on and, me. And, uh, and, and being on the B team, basically. I, I, I was, I, I, every, every team, well, actually, I, was, I loved team sports growing up. Like I think probably all of us like really formed uh, my early sports days at about one year old. Um, and but but all the, the going out for football, baseball, basketball, I hit a wall like uh, junior high, and basically was relegated to the B squad, where no one you have to do an intervention to save someone from the B squad and get them to A squad. You're you're marooned. Even if you have potential, you're just marooned you for got, forever. You got tracked. Got you got tracked. Yeah. Oh. But but what I what I quickly realized was that I was not a team oriented athlete. So I focused on cross country and golf, and I. Like writing, I just do better with solo pursuits. Those, well, I like watching team sports, though. Happy? Um, when I was young, my parents were avid golfers. So I got into golf. I think I first started playing when I was four. I'm not much better now. <laughs> um, I tried the team sports, uh, played a little football. Did some middle school basketball. Like I have a three-inch vertical at best. Still, 
And that's overstated. But at least you're not losing the vertical. But, uh, you know, then I got into, like, uh, music and theater and that kind of stuff. And they had this thing called theater sports. It's basically improv. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I said theater sports. Go, go, go make a drink. Heckling Just, from the bartender is perfectly allowed. I was going to say... I was going to say, don't forget to tip your bartenders, but I'm rethinking that now. Don't tip that one. Tip the other one. <laughs> She's real nice. Definitely tip the other one, because I broke a glass in here last night, and she quickly cleaned it up. Uh, Mike, your life is sports. It is now. I'm much better at it than I was when I was younger, when I was actually playing sports. So I was smart enough to figure out, stop playing, and, and start writing about it. Um, I, I played basketball and football up through my uh, high school years. I got cut as a sophomore from my basketball team. My coach was my dad's best man at his wedding. Ouch. It still didn't matter. And then when my football team went 0-18 in two years, uh, I said, yeah, screw that. And uh, I went to the newspaper and got a job emptying out the garbage cans, and uh, that's kind of what launched here. But uh, right now I'm, I'm like with Happy here. I'm happily pursuing golf balls and, and bogeys and birdies, and I try to play – 30, Jeez. 40 rounds of golf a year. I'm, I'm a big avid golfer, and after that, I spend just too much time in front of the damn television. I don't know if I can relate to the happily following the golf ball part. <laughs> I've come to peace the fact that I suck, and I'm okay with that. It's a nice walk. It's a nice walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the next question I was going to ask, I'll do while acknowledging that, I mean, we are focusing mostly on the big four sports with a little cross-country and golf mixed in, but how old were you? when you chose a favorite team and what was the process by which you chose that favorite you know i chose my favorite team when i was nine was new york mets because that was my dad's favorite team and that was it you guys all lived in places where there weren't big league teams mm -hmm. so what was the what was the process mark malone looked like magnum pi i could identify with him <laughs> he was a good quarterback you know he wasn't the best team he, he was a good quarterback. He wasn't the best. Come on, man. <laughs> but, you know, he looked like Magnum, and that really got me into liking the Steelers. Yeah, we got a, we got two Steelers fans up good here. Good criteria. I didn't have the glory years like Mike did. Well, You know, it was the 80s. It was a rebuild. How did you guys... Lewis Lips was good. He was <laughs> a good receiver. Slash was good. Merrill Hodge? Come on, Merrill Hodge. Idaho State. Let's um, let's let's edge toward a third rail early. How hard was it to root for Roethlisberger? <laughs> you know why? I I spent 15 hours a week talking live sports on the radio, and uh, last month I probably spent 15 hours a week hating Ben Roethlisberger. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan since 1972. And uh, immaculate reception. I mean, when you're growing up in Twin Falls, Idaho in the 70s, there's one sport on TV. They put the best team on TV. So I like the Steelers. I like the Reds. I like the Celtics. And, and I've ditched most of those teams, but I still like the Steelers. I did not like Ben Roethlisberger. I was happy to see him go. 18 years, Hall of Fame career, Super Bowl championships. And the day he, the day he left, I sayonara. I, I don't care. Why did you hate him? I just I never got engaged with him. He was not a good human being. He right. was never yeah. a good teammate. Bad human. Yeah. Um, he was never emotionally connected to me. I'd rather have Happy as my quarterback. Yeah. I, I'm a, serious. I'd rather have a, Happy as my quarterback. Well, he's got a really good vertical. Um, <laughs> Three inch vertical, but I can throw it like eight yards. This this brings but this brings up a really good point, uh, and one that I wrestle with a lot is 
rooting for people who aren't necessarily good people. You know, recently, I, I thought the message that we received, it was three weeks ago when Deshaun Watson got signed. I, I actually went to my wife over there in the little leopard skin shirt, uh, who doesn't follow professional sports. I said, well, here's a message. All you got to do is quit on your team, yeah. uh, allegedly molest 22 women, yeah. 28, something like that. And uh, you get paid for the year you sat out, and you get $46 million when you come back, if you're good enough. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, Kaepernick learns if you're not good enough, you can kneel. So I how mean, do you... He went to the Super Bowl. Right, that first year. I, I watched every stat. He was bad. He wasn't the best, but he had a... He was, he was good enough to be a backup, right? Right, but obviously not good enough for whatever hassle he was going to cause. Whereas Deshaun Watson, apparently, and Mike Vick, you can just... I, mean, if it wasn't, I think it's the nature of the hassle that defined the banishment think? from the league. Yeah. So, yeah, because that's a hassle that would cost you more ticket buyers. Mm-hmm. And a hassle that was just political versus... Versus... Oh, honestly, about the, the Kaepernick Super Bowl, though. <clears throat> the Kaepernick Super Bowl? No. If it wouldn't have been for that power outage... Oh, I know. They had all the momentum going into that. And then once that came back on, it was all Ravens. Unfortunately, I could argue about Kaepernick as a quarterback forever, but I, I can't right now. I don't have time. <laughs> That's fair. But I, I, Mike's giving me a very serious look down there because I want to know what you think of. I mean, your life is sports, and you have to know you're running across these guys yeah. that a lot of them aren't good people. In fact, I have this debate with a friend of mine who's a sports guy because I my favorite two athletes are Alex Smith and Steve Young because they're good guys. And he's like, you got to stop that. They're all bad guys. And I played high school sports. I know they're bad guys. Larry, sometimes I end up on panels with bad guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You can look past anything, huh? So what do you think? This won't be the most popular answer, but uh, I've come to the conclusion that I don't care anymore. Hmm. I, I don't. And I know that's bad, but I can explain myself. Wow. There's been bad people in sports for over 100 years. Ty Cobb was one of the most disgusting human beings in the history of life. Absolutely. Um, If I spent all my time, I mean, I can either make the decision not to be a sports fan because of that or be a sports fan and just focus on the sports. There are, there are scumbag human beings in every sports league, on every team, in every locker room in this planet right now. They're all over the place. My heroes were Muhammad Ali, Pete Rose, uh, Tiger Woods, Lance Armstrong, Hope Solo, at one point Ben Roethlisberger. They all turned out to be despicable human beings. I have a horrible, horrible track record of picking good sports heroes to follow. They all became horrible human beings. I'm really glad I didn't have to point out that Pete Rose sucks. Yes! <laughs> well, at least the guy bet on himself. <laughs> but it's, it's, I, I liken it to this, Castle. and again, this won't be popular at all. I don't chase clothing tags to see if it was made in China. And I probably should, because I don't like China. But I've just made the peace with myself that I cannot police every sports locker room in America. I can't. And so you just have to kind of turn it off. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a sign of my moral fiber, and I, I guess I just made that decision, and I'm going to go with it. But sports are always going to be sports. There's always going to be horrible human beings in sports. And for some people, that doesn't work. And for other people, you just have to turn it off and find out who wins on Sunday. Well, I mean, there is this sense, and I remember teaching myself this in high school. I played baseball, and I didn't get along with my teammates. And eventually going, well, I still love baseball. It's not their, it's not baseball's fault these guys suck. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about that? Can you root for bad guys? I mean, It's nicer to root for so bad I, guys. I mean, I, when I was listening to Mike, I mean, there's a long list of horrible 
artists, right? Oh my oh, god, yeah. musicians, oh, artists, yeah. authors, everybody. And, you know, and so I mean, my policy is kind of like beware of who you, <laughs> your heroes. Beware of getting to know them too yeah. well. You yeah. know, well, I mean, um, and I think about, I think it's a tough to make that decision about who you're rooting for based on their behavior. You know, what it's about a very appre- personal decision. Appreciating the art, but hating the artist. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of examples in literature and everywhere else where. Maybe the people that they make the good stories are despicable. I know. But it's still a good story. I might be fooling myself. I mean, we all do it to an extent of separating the art from the artist, right? Yeah. I get hung up on the bad guy thing, but... Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Yeah. But what did you say to me earlier, Happy, when I was like, I'm so glad I get to root for Steph Curry. And you said, you mean Steph Curry who says he's going to throw a free camp and then charges people for it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the free basketball camp in Hawaii... You know, all the all this the news players to do like free camps for the kids. Steph Curry charged for his in Hawaii, and he got called out by Marshawn Lynch on it. You know, so apparently he had some miscommunication with an agent or something. Yeah, like, hey, dude, you don't make money everywhere. Do you think we're are we holding them to higher standards than we'd hold an IT manager? Are there a lot of bad IT well, yeah. managers? You know who we're not holding to high standards? Who? Is, is the, the league itself. The teams. Oh. And, the, and and so we're focusing on player behavior and, and not like what the teams are doing to be accountable. So when you brought up Kaepernick, that to me is a is a is a is a unforgivable transgression from the NFL that they basically banned a player that's good enough to play. Do you include the 49ers in that? Yeah. They're complicit. They're in the NFL. They didn't speak up for him. Yeah, owners. That's what. That's where it is. We, we we tend to focus on the player transgression instead of looking at the owners in the league, the system, or the commissioner. Yeah. What you know is the commissioner. I agree with you, but to, to play devil's advocate is Roger Goodell. Once the grand jury tells the world that Deshaun Watson is cleared, is Roger Goodell supposed to say go away? That's a form of blackballing too. Like we heard you were guilty. I don't care what they say. You're out. Yeah. So, I mean, Roger Goodell gets a bad rap. He makes $50 million to make a bunch of stupid fucking stupid decisions. <laughs> Sorry. I can't nope. say that word on yeah. my real job. So. No FCC here. Um, so, you know, again, maybe it's my, my low, 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 low moral fiber, but what's Roger Goodell supposed to do? Say, no, you can't come to work for me? That's, you can't do that. I mean, he has to let him play. It, it is illegal. Isn't it? I would assume. I, I would assume there's some illegal. Yeah, yeah. illegality. Well, yeah, illegal. at least a, you know, the player association contract violation. Mm-hmm. It, it sucks. I, it sucks that he's in the league. It sucks that he's making all this money. But um, oh, does winning matter? Yeah, boy. Uh, okay. I, I don't know where these people are getting these trophies from. <laughs> I do a lot of amazing shit, and I never get trophies. <laughs> so, hey. Get a six and first. <laughs> yeah. Double vertical. Trophies away. You're being heckled. It's always about the vertical with these people. <laughs> it's being heckled. Let's all do a vertical contest. Let's do a jump. <laughs> I was 26 back in the day. Makes sense. Uh, I, I actually like the beginning of that, uh, is winning importance. Now, I was taught it isn't, and yet my mood is directly uh, related to how the Golden State Warriors perform on any given night. What's the point of the game? I'm, well, okay. To go out there and... 
I mean, have so, a good time. Well, let me say no, this. No, it's the fucking win, man. I, I, stopped following, I stopped following Major League Baseball several years ago because of pitch counts. Yeah. So now when I watch a baseball game, I'm rooting for the game, and it's a delightful experience. Like, wow, nice catch, whoever that guy is out there. I don't care who wins. It's act, it's a, but it's a very different experience. I don't know if it's a better experience or worse. I mean, I'm talking as a fan, does winning But matter. if they weren't playing to win, would you care? If, well, if... if oh, well, I'm a Pirates fan. What do I know about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a Mariners fan. What do I know? Yeah. Um, I'll let someone else take that. If they're not playing for win, to win, do you care? For, for me, it comes down... To, I mean, at the youth level, no. Yeah. At the junior high level, no. At the, at the high school level, that's where the line starts to get blurred a little bit. And beyond the high school level, absolutely it matters. Absolutely matters. I'm with you. Um, I'm a Reds fan, and I don't care about baseball. But I'll go to a ballpark and, and eat peanuts and drink beer and, and lay in the sun and have the greatest four hours of my life. Baseball's yeah. the exception. Yes. No, baseball's a nice time. <laughs> but yeah, if I go to a baseball a, game? If right. I go to a Steelers game or a Utah Jazz game or a Golden Knights hockey game and they lose or even watch it on TV... Ask her how much yeah. it ruins my night. I kick yeah. the freaking dog. I don't kick the dog. Well, <laughs> as the father of kids and watching them play in <laughs> leagues where they diminished the importance of winning or negated it altogether, those kids kept score. Yeah, I raised, I raised my kid in the Bay Area, too, and I remember that. Uh, the parents saying, nobody cares who wins. Let's cheer for both sides. What was the score, kids? 26 to 1. We lost 26 <laughs> to 1. Well, it's we important to the guys who are playing. Yeah. I mean, they're keeping track. Even though yeah. the parents are like, oh, no, everybody needs a chance. Everybody needs this. And that's nice. How did but we I go mean, to Deshaun Watson? Win. From Deshaun Watson to... That's the nation. <laughs> Deshaun Watson to orange slices. How do we do that? <laughs> You're a hell of a moderator, Larry. Well, Brad's mom brought him down. I, that's a, a good question from over here. Did you watch... Or... Oh, the football all-star game. Yeah. Oh, the Pro Bowl? It, it used to be interesting. It seems when it was after the Super Bowl and the people you wanted to see actually played in it. Now they put it before the Super Bowl. What's the point? Well, but I can't imagine if my quarterback that I invested forty million dollars and gets hurt playing in the Pro Bowl. It's a different animal. There has yeah. to be something at stake. Wait, you invested forty million dollars in somebody because I need to hang out with you. <laughs> he has an eight-inch vertical. Oh, okay. He said he said we because it's his team. Oh, oh. If there is something at Fair. stake, you well, know, like there is something at stake, it's it becomes vitally important. Like Absolutely. the stuff they've done with the NBA All Star Game. Do you like those changes? No, I don't. So know. they've been doing things in the NBA All Star Game for several years, trying to make it relevant. Yeah. Uh, they don't have left. They don't have. Uh, West and West versus East anymore. They they uh, name captains and they pick starters, um, like a like a pickup game. What else? They and they do some kind of weird scoring. I don't know, but it's supposed to make people more interested in the outcome. And I don't think it's a reality TV show at that point. Defense would be more interesting, right? Play some right. D. But, Martin. but you remember when Mike's hero, Pete Rose, bowled over Ray Fossey to win the '71 All Star game? That was a really big thing. That mattered. Damn it. Well, did it matter because it was a different time, or was there actually something at stake? Well, it mattered because we're still seeing that video all over the place, and it was Pete Rose's persona, and yeah, there was nothing at stake there for that game, absolutely not. But, you know, we all see that video, and it's it's a beautiful piece of video, and stop bringing up Pete Rose. Unless you're Ray Fossey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to my cards. I feel like we need to go back on the, you know, back a little guidance here. Um, for the last two years, and I'm going to say the last six years, when something happened that made the world go, 
are sports more important than they used to be? I mean, we've just proven that they can they can bring all the outside stuff in or they can keep it out. They can make the choice. Is it more important now than it was 10 years ago? Black Francis still wakes up and reads his sports, sports page. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the escapism is easier than dealing with what's going on in the world around you. So yes and no. I mean, you need to deal with what's going on in the world around you, but at the same time, it's nice to have the escape. So for a lot of people, yeah, not necessarily as a blanket statement. But yeah, I mean, I'll speak for myself. It's definitely much more important to me now than it was. You know, every morning you can wake up and go to Google News and they'll tell you why you shouldn't be happy. But well, I have a mirror for that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened to this guy? <laughs> I, I seem to feel better basing my happiness or unhappiness on trivial things like whether or not the Warriors win. I, I'm over way pettier things. You know, I get happy over way pettier things like, you know, I, I find a nice parking spot. Well, yeah, um, it's a little things. Well, here's that the didn't reason happen why, for me I, earlier. Here's the reason why I think that Black Francis woke up every day and that reading the sports page helped prevent him from thinking about suicide or committing suicide. And I think it's because sports offers us actually more than the winning, the scores, the sports baldness of it. I think that uh, what, what Black, Black Francis likes is probably what I like, is actually the actual intellectual engagement in the narrative of sports, the personal stories, the personal stories of, of um, all, all the players, you know, and, and how that for, you know, like when you mentioned Muhammad Ali was one of your, your heroes. I mean, Muhammad Ali looms so large over, over, over my life as both a sports fan, but also everything he brought to me. Every idea, I'm still thinking about him. Yeah. So, um, it, it, sports is like a soap opera, but it's also, you know, a tragedy, a drama. It's so many things. It's all about stories. That is what, a way better put way of saying what I just tried to say. Is, he, is it good I had a literature guy in here? Um, all black. <laughs> yeah, now I can't remember what I was Oh, we we not only have four white guys up here, we have four aging white guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he's from Iowa, though. No, to kind of build on what you said, when I was in college, there was a class called uh, Baseball in the 20th Century. And I thought it was such a great idea because they used baseball as a jumping off point for all those other things. Because for all the talk... All, all, all of me pretending like the real world doesn't seep into sports, it absolutely does, maybe now more than ever. I mean, I didn't believe in COVID until Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. Well, you, you, ask, you ask about the power of sports, the NBA, Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz essentially brought... That was chilling. Mainstream. Yeah. Yes. You know, this is a big joke. Oh my God, they're canceling the NBA? Yeah, yeah. What did you, as sports fans, what did you guys do for that first year? What did you do? It's your job. You're not just a fan. Yeah. No, um, we made it. We made it through 18 months without sports every single day. We didn't miss a single minute, a single hour. Obviously, in the first couple of months, it's all about the issues. It's all about different stuff. And, and then there's hope and speculation. And you know, when I got sent home for my work, I thought I'd be back in two weeks. It took me two years to get back to the office. But the... You just plugged through it, and sports slowly, slowly, slowly started to come back. Um, I think the, the, the pause wasn't terrible. We all got to know our families, our friends, our dogs. We all got to make our, our landscape look prettier and better and, you know, clean the bathroom and fix up the junk drawer. And 
I think it was good for humanity when we all were in the privacy of our homes trying to get our lives back together. But eventually, we all missed sports, and we had to have yeah. sports. We would not have rebounded the way we did without sports. And yeah. then when they came back, it was like someone had just served me the best piece of cake ever. Oh, yeah. And, and the bubble? Yeah. That was great. <laughs> and the last dance was a national event, a oh, documentary yeah. about the Bulls. Yep. Yeah, but so was Joe, Joe Exotic. Yeah, still. <laughs> didn't watch and it, it deserved to be. No really? idea. Didn't watch it, not going. Wait, I want to look a little deeper into this. How did you avoid Joe Exotic? I just uh, I went on hikes a lot. <laughs> Don't have Netflix. Did some mountain biking. No, so, I have Netflix. I was just like, I can't. At some point, it had to be a conscious decision, like a purposeful thing. Yeah, about three months into it, I was just like, people are talking about it. And I was like, Nah. Nah. Animal abuse, that kind of... Nah. Well, there's still the movie coming out. of You still I'm have good. a chance to uh, follow the story. I'm good. I'm good. That was messed up. Because I, I know you don't like people who are famous just for being famous and people no. who act no. in horrible ways. No. Like, let's stop making stupid people famous for doing nothing. Is there any family in particular? <laughs> well. Well, sir. <laughs> so, like... The Kardashians. I have a big distaste for these people. Like, you know, Kim comes out the other day and she's giving advice. Nobody wants to work anymore. Oh, right, right. You just work hard and do. What the fuck have you ever worked for? <laughs> nothing. No, you do nothing. You have people who do everything for you. You have people who pick the outfits that you're gonna shill. No, you're garbage. No. Oh. No, she really wasn't. I thought Ray J did most of the work there. Come on, man. It's the internet. It might be a love-hate relationship. Yeah. I sense. No, no, it's a it's a hate to. We were discussing earlier, and this is mostly for Mike, who hasn't heard this theory that has now almost been debunked. It's totally debunked. That if the Bills hadn't drafted O.J. Simpson. We well, wouldn't have the Kardashians. Unfortunately. And the world would be a much better place. With some uh, further research, uh, Robert Kardashian and O.J. Simpson were friends at USC. So maybe if he would have went to UCLA, I don't know. <laughs> but so I'm trying maybe to work Cal. it out. So if, if O.J. didn't play for the Bulls, maybe he wouldn't have ended up killing, allegedly, Nicole and Ron, and then the Kardashians wouldn't have gotten famous. Well, okay, so if the 68 Bills would have won one more game, the number one draft pick would have been the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons would have, it would have been an idiotic move not to get O.J. Simpson. He would have been in Atlanta. Still has the thing. I, I don't know, man. I can't see it. it. It worked on the darkest timeline earlier, and it was just like, oh... I love that. You know, when you're fantasizing about it, but then you start looking into things and it's like, well, he was already friends with Robert Kardashian. He was a charming guy. Yeah. He was going, he was destined to be in Hollywood at some point. I'm surprised he's not on Mike's list of guys he loved that turned out to be Rapscallions because he was so beloved. Man, that guy just went downhill fucking quick, too. I think we just didn't know what was going on. I'm just more concerned that the Kardashians weren't on my list of things to talk about. (laughs) Well, I mean... Well, they've had an impact on sports. I I would have prepared if I didn't know this was going on. They almost killed killed Lamar Odom. They did. Come on. They had a negative impact on sports. (laughs) Next question. Next question. All right. Next question. Back to my uh, cards. What's the best sport? What's the best spectator sport? Basketball, hands down. Uh, I can back that up. 
with well, uh, objective facts. I mean, if you're watching it on TV, uh, both. Live. I, I think. I think. I think the whole because um, I think there's ex- such a difference between mm-hmm. the live experience and the television experience at every sport level. Mm-hmm. Like baseball is fucking amazing live, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, unless you're not into the game, it's harder to watch on TV. But when you're at the when you're at the ballpark. And you're getting the smells and all everything. There's just this like sense of community that really goes around it. You're mm-hmm. in a park. Everybody's laid back. You're enjoying yourselves. Nobody's in a hurry to do anything. It's nice. It's a nice way to kill an afternoon. And I'd like to take this opportunity and tell you, you can do that right here in Boise, Idaho at a Boise Hawks game. Yeah. You, you very much can. <laughs> <laughs> Opening day, May 28th. <laughs> um, the reason I think basketball is the, the existentially best sport, the philosophically best sport, is that it's the it's the sport that puts the tension between the individual and the team in dramatic conflict. And so every time a player gets the ball, he can keep the ball. He or she can keep the ball, shoot the ball, whatever he wants to do. Um, but they have to make that decision whether they include the team past the ball. And almost, I don't think any other sport does it in quite the way that basketball does. I've never, I've never. That's that's a beautiful answer. That's a beautiful question um, because it's there's really no right or wrong answer. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's an individual personality and individual feelings. Now, with that said, college football is the greatest thing there is out there. It's not even close. I mean, anybody else that says anything about college football, you're all wrong. And I promise you. <laughs> and it goes back to in the beginning when you ask why sports matter, and and I didn't mention one word, or maybe I did and I forgot. I do that a lot. Passion. Ooh. Passion is what makes sports a beautiful thing. And you won't find more passion anywhere than in a college football game. What you said about basketball is is absolutely right. You can say the same thing about hockey. um, But college football, the passion, the pageantry, the emotional connection, going to the stadium, going to campus. I I live and breathe and die for college football. It's it's the most beautiful thing on the world, except for her. Oh. <laughs> I'm kind of turning over and over in my head what you're saying. Now, football is my favorite spectator sport, but I watch the NFL, not college. I understand why people watch college. But I'm thinking about passion because I was a baseball player, and that never seemed to figure into it. It was more calculation. And then I remember in high school, well, chess match. the football players would prepare for games by punching each other and, <laughs> and listening to really loud music. And we'd prepare by, you know, sleeping or something. Just... It's such a different space, you know, Take just a such walk, a different mind doing space. Some stretches. Yeah. Throwing a ball. It's such a different mind space that I'm amazed people can succeed at both. But as a fan, I would say yes, passion is the number one qualification. I'll throw a loop into this yeah. conversation. Um, I, I get totally what you're saying about college football and the passion. And if there is a peak passion there that I think maybe. It's a little more peak than other sports. My thing, I would my, agree with that. My, my thing with football these days is I have a tough time watching people get concussions mm-hmm. in front of me. Like, I literally have a tough time watching the game, mm-hmm. especially when I know some of these players, especially at the college level, are totally being exploited. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with that, too. <clears throat> you know, I watch the NFL, and I know I love George Kittle, the Niners tight end, and I watch him and I 17 wonder, concussions. Is he, what's he going to be like when he's my age? Or is he going to be around when he's my age? There's so many stories in the NFL about guys who out of nowhere have violent episodes. Even Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady. He's been playing a long time. Well, he's got a lot of concussions. Yeah. He's got a lot of concussions, yeah. So that is hard. And I mean, somehow, maybe 
Right, and I feel like boxing has almost been more marginalized, either because of that or because there's no great boxing personalities. Well, and and the business of, it, of boxing, too. I think a lot of it has to do with the corruption behind it, too. I mean... And MMA replacing it. Oh, yeah. Well, Pacquiao had that fight in Australia. Dude won it, technically. Mm -hmm. Didn't win it. Yeah. And it's like, who are these judges? What are they What are they paid? What's going on here? So it's... There's a lot of corruption in uh, boxing. What you said about football and CTE and concussions is real. And uh, for 30, 40, 50 years, we put our head in the sand. And as fans, as business partners, as sponsors, as leagues, as athletes, we put our head in the sand and ignored it completely. And um, at least we got our head out of the sand. I'm not sure how much we're doing. We're trying. We're, they're pretending to try. They're, they're trying to force us that they're trying. But I ask you this question. If... George Kittle or Tom Brady want to play football and don't care about 17 concussions, what does that matter to me? I was just going to say go. that. At this point, do you think they're going into it with their eyes open? I think they have more information now than they've ever had yeah. before, yeah. and they can make more intelligent decisions than they ever before. And again, my low, low moral fiber strikes again. But what about coaches manipulating players, boosters manipulating players? I mean, these players are manipulated from very young age. You know, they might, they might technically they could Google it, but, you know, they're, that's putting a lot of onus on them, you know. Like, they're, they're getting these concussions. I think, a lot of them, I think a lot of them make that trade. And they go, and first of all, I'm 17. I'm the greatest athlete in the world. I am bulletproof. It's not going to happen to me. Right, exactly. And I could make $100 million. I'm going to take those chances. But as a society, it's important for us to tell them that. Right. And, and I don't think until 10 years ago we started doing that. My problem as a fan is I'm starting to think more and more that nobody dodges that bullet. You know, that they're all doomed, basically. Personally, I think it's because they're too big and too fast. There shouldn't be 300-pound guys who run four five forty. No. There should be more like Happy and Me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> happy and Me should be in the NFL bouncing off each other for millions of dollars. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I'll take my eight-second 40 and be happy yeah. with it. Smoke it smoking cigarettes at halftime. 1949, you guys would have been, you know. No. Yes. <laughs> We, we would have been great in the 40s, Mike. Oh, I can't. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Men 40s. Of the wrong era. <laughs> speaking of the 40s. Thank you for that segue. What was the greatest era in sports? I have scientific evidence for this. Yes. <laughs> can't argue science. I, I want to hear it. I do. I do. Well, first of all, most people say, the, or when surveyed, they'll say the best era of music was their high school or college era. <laughs> so most people's favorite sports era is the sports they grew up with as a child. Um, and so you could say that this answer is coming from that perspective. The 70s, obviously, the best sports era. And the reason is, is because everything that happened in the 70s, it led to what's happening now. It divided the era before and after. And it was a, it was a crazy era. I mean, I mean, Joe Namath, um, uh, Walt Frazier, you know, the, uh, Joe Namath had a talk show. He, he, he walked around New York in a fur coat. He had, he had the wonderful shag carpeting in his apartment. He, a, he you know, like, starred in movies. Starred in movies. Um, you know, sport, that was when sports stars became, it, it, it led to the player empowerment movement we're seeing now. It led to like players being there, having brands like Michael Jordan. You know, everything we're, we're, we're everything we're dealing with now in the sports started in the seventies. Obviously, your father wasn't as strong as mine was because mine's the fifties. As the best era. Yeah, that's what my father taught me, and I've never. But why? Thought. I don't know because the Dodgers are great. 
it's, it's pounded into my head as a kid. As I say so, kid. Yeah, basically the fifties. Well, take one look at Joe Namath in a, in, I do uh, in a fur coat, and I, mean, I do kind of like the fifties, but that's a real New York biased, you know, fifties. Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, and and uh, Duke Snyder. You know, one city. How incredible! You walk down the street, and there's you walk down the street, you know, in Brooklyn, and there's radios on everyone's doorstep, and you can follow the game just walking down the street. That's really appealing to me. But I think that is the kind of thinking that makes me only want to watch amateur sports now because I don't like the brands and the big money and all that stuff. I'd rather just go watch a high school game or a Boise Hawks game, which the season opens May 28th. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> Good plug. Thanks. Best era in sports. You know, as a fan of Pittsburgh sports, i got to go 70s. 70s. You know, you have four championships yeah. for those Pittsburgh Steelers. You have two for the Pirates. Uh, the year I was born, they won their last one. My dad says I'm the bad luck guy. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. And, uh, you know, I'm a Blazers fan. 77. You know, so yeah, great all, team. all those years. The easy answer for four old aging white guys is the 60s and 70s because that sports net era changed our lives. For me, though, I would, I would give up my right arm and my left foot to go to the 1915 to 1935 and ride a train and be a sports writer and smoke cigars and drink cognac with Babe Ruth. I mean, the Roaring Twenties with Babe Ruth and the Yankees and everything that they did um, would be spectacular. I I, I can't imagine what that would be like to be able to do that. Grantland Rice, some of the great sports writers. David Runyon. Yes, exactly. I want to be him. I want to be them, and I want to be on that train. And for 20 years... It was a beautiful. None of these issues existed. I know well, they did they in society. Did. They did, but you know it was a beautiful time, and and Babe Ruth was a beautiful man that a hundred years later we're still talking about. The Babe Ruth era in sports to doesn't me get credit greatest. anymore as one of the greatest athletes ever to play baseball. Who are you hanging out with? <laughs> <laughs> Recency bias, people. I mean, what was his what was his performance enhancing drug between doubleheaders? Hot dogs? Yeah, and a cigarette. Yes. Yes. Hot dogs or beers? A cigarette yes. has a couple of beers. You know, you, you, I, you oh, know there was an era. Again. So, so we're just recently in the era of of players not being debauched. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a there glorious area of, of because I mean, we think of you know the 70s as the cocaine era and NBA, and it practically ruined the NBA. Yeah. But back, but back before that, I mean, uh, you know, um, Willie Mantle was drunk all the time. Willie Mantle. <laughs> yeah, Willie, or whatever. Willie Mantle. <laughs> Sorry, Mickey? this is my aged brain. The here. Mick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and Willie Mays took greenies all the time. Yeah. So, um, what are your feel? This I didn't know. I didn't even think. What are your feelings about PEDs? Because some people are eh. I think you might be an eh guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clemens should be in the hall. I I have become an mm guy on that. Unfortunately, I've become jaded on that. You can't beat it. The the athletes are always going to be one step ahead of the scientists. You're not going to be able to get rid of it. It's it's in every single sport. It happens at Boise State in in, in the softball team, the cross-country team, the football team. It happens in the high schools in our community right now. There's high school kids out there doing this behind mom and dad's back. It's so prevalent, you can't get rid of it anymore. Oh, man, but that would make me not neutral about it. I know. But, but it happens with writers. But what do we do about it? (laughs) What do we do about it? I don't know. That's the thing. Um, And And... It's weird because we think Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are the face of PEDs in baseball, but it wasn't them. It was like guys Barry like Barry Bonds F- wasn't doing it to get better. Barry Bonds was amazing. Yeah, he just did it to recover faster. 
I don't know. He was hitting balls that should have stayed foul and went fair. Well, he's a Hall of Famer. His head got he's a Hall of Famer before. His head did get very noticeably bigger. Yeah, his head got bigger. Well, don't you know about that mid forties growth spurt? Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Barry Bonds should be a Hall of Famer, but he's learning right now. Don't be a jerk to sports writers. Yeah. Because they'll keep you out of the Hall of Fame. Yes, that's his problem. Um, I was going to say something about PEDs. This is my old age brain. No, I think we both have it. Oh, I was saying <laughs> those guys are the face of PEDs, but I think the widest use was guys like FP Santangelo, borderline guys. Because if you were a borderline guy and someone said, take this, you'll be in the major leagues. Right. And you'll get a contract for $10 million. Or you could go home and work at Target. I, I mean, I, it'd I be hard loved, to say no. I would have taken it to get off the B squat. <laughs> I mean, you take it now. I mean, does it work in theater sports? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look look at Lance Armstrong. I mean, he he was he took PEDs to the next level, and if he would have done it with and and done and been a decent human being about it, he would still be revered as he was. Yeah, Lance Armstrong took drugs like every other athlete in America is doing, but he became a complete total d bag. He, he threw everybody on his team under the bus. He lied. He cheated. He stealed. He became a despicable human being. This was a guy that I idolized for seven years and called on the radio for seven years, the greatest athlete of all time. And I still kind of believe that, but he's also one of the scummiest athletes of our time. Do you think that part of the problem, too, is that he kept lying about it? Yes. Yeah. Because Take uh, your drugs you, all you want, but he, just shut up and I mean, stop he lying. He vehemently lied yes. about it. Yes. How dare other, you? Throwing other people under the bus. Ruining their lives. Yeah, and that's I mean you know people love Jason Giambi because he's a good guy, as juiced up as anybody. Hundred percent agree with that. Hundred percent agree with that. So if you're gonna do something bad, just be decent. Yes, <laughs> you can say that about everything in life. I know. You know, just be nice and you'll get away with it. Uh, I went great. I didn't get to the goat. I don't know if I should, if I should even ask that because I know Mike thinks Babe Ruth is the goat. And by the way, no, I would I love. Actually, I don't. I would love to be in that era too, except for one thing: no air conditioning. I'm okay with that. Oh, I'm, I might be the only fat guy in the world who's cold. It was cooler so back I'm, then. I'm good. I'm good with that. It was cooler there. back then, huh? I'm, I'm good with that. And no, I, all right. Who's the goat? Michael Jordan. Michael uh, Jordan. Again, it's not even debatable. Yeah. It's not it's debatable. Not even debatable because there are thousands of great athletes out there, and Michael Jordan was a great athlete. But there are not a thousand athletes out there with the mental capacity of what Michael Jordan had. Now you throw in Nike and the way he changed the world for the good and the bad. Michael Jordan, on and off the court, mentally, physically, he checks every single box. It's not even close to me. I know it's an opinion thing. Michael Jordan, it's not even close. He drinks a mean whiskey, too. Smokes a hell of a cigar, too, from what I understand. <laughs> I, yes, I get that. Um, I don't think I ever would have wanted to play on a team with him. I would. So here's my criteria. I was thinking about this the same way. I, every time I walk by a TV... I can, I can walk by a TV and Tom Brady's playing and I don't stop to watch. But no matter what, if Michael Jordan's on the TV, I stop. Like, mm. He makes me stop my tracks and pay attention. If he's playing he's so a sport great. or just talking? Both. Agreed. But, agreed. I'd watch Michael Jordan do anything. It seemed, I, and I, think, I heard this a, a long time ago, that the things that made Michael Jordan great were the things that make it so hard for him to not play professional sports. And that's why LeBron James is going to have a fine life. Because he's yeah. not like that. And I agree. Like, if you saw, did you see Jordan at that 75th anniversary thing? He was a wreck. 
He looked like a man who drinks a ton. He's, he's, a little, he's always got a whiskey with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got and his eyes are yellow, you know, and he just yeah. did not look good. No, no, he doesn't. But um, but it is a little in argument. But happy, who do you got? I got a couple. I, and I hate to say this, I, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> God no. Uh, no, I have to. I have to throw it out there for Tom Brady. I mean, uh, uh, and I hate to say it, the guy's fucking good. The guy is fucking good. He's got a regiment that keeps him healthy. It, it is a team sport. He does a lot better with defenses. He does really badly against Eli Manning, which is awesome. You know, because Eli needs something. He doesn't have the looks. He doesn't have anything that Peyton has. This guy. But he's got two two Super Bowl victories yeah. over Tom Brady. He gets that. So maybe he's the GOAT. I don't know. Do you have to have great hand-eye coordination to be a great athlete? It doesn't hurt. Well, does Lance Armstrong have great hand-eye coordination? We don't know. I've never seen him. I've never played a baseball bat. Yeah. I, I I'm also a big fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar definitely deserves a most yeah. underrated great. Athlete. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the dude, he, he does his thing, and it's so simple when you look at it. The sky hook. How nobody could. Do no that. one does it, and nobody can do it. Yeah. You know how come we don't know who the greatest of all time is? Because well, we know how good of a baseball player Jordan was. Yeah, but we don't know how good of a baseball player Tom Brady was, or how good of a basketball player Joe Montana is. It's hard to tell. I mean, I know Tom Brady was a really good high school catcher, yeah. good enough to play in college. I know John Elway played John Elway minor, you know, hit three fifty nine yeah. one season in the minor leagues. But it's hard to say without like was Bo Jackson, was Deion Sanders, I mean Danny Ainge. I mean, we Danny don't know Ainge if Serena Williams Toronto. can play softball or baseball or anything. See, that goes back to my point. There's hundreds of thousands of great, elite, amazing athletes out there. And, and to be the GOAT, you have to check more boxes than just that. Yeah. And Michael Jordan had the mental thing. He had the social impact thing, whether we liked it or not. He had to check. A GOAT has to check a lot of boxes. I don't know if a GOAT knows how to check boxes, but he has to check a lot of boxes. Or she. Serena Williams. Did all the things that Jordan pioneered turn out good you could say jordan pioneered player empowerment you could say muhammad ali did too is player empowerment a great thing i mean that movie where he played with the the uh, looney tunes <laughs> that was a great thing pretty I good i haven't seen the lebron one <laughs> yeah. sure it's not as it's good. probably better than the lebron well, why is player empowerment not a good thing i'm not sure players make good decisions so but, you want them to be infantilized and um <laughs> Nice. Patronize. I would like say, who, who makes good decisions? Do owners make good decisions? Do commissioners make good decisions? Do coaches? They're business managers, sometimes well, their spouses. I don't know how player empowerment works in any league but the NBA. I'm referring to James Harden. <laughs> well, keep the beer. I'm talking about James Harden and Ben Harden's Simmons. his own topic. I can't yeah. respect a guy. He travels every time he makes his signature shot. I can't I respect that. I he doesn't play D anymore. He what never played. Oh, yeah, you said he, he played. played no. He played when he was with Oklahoma City and he was a third. But he's guy. quit on two teams in 13 months. And the, first, and the second of those, actually, both were dream situations that he orchestrated himself. Oh, yeah. And then he just quit. Brooklyn. With that roster on paper, right? That's a that's a, that's a it's the, unbeatable. That's a dream team. Yeah. What are they doing? They got. 
<laughs> Beware dream teams. But at least they have heat in the in the Coliseum, you know. Is it, is it much warmer in Philly than New York? It's a little bit south. <laughs> Friendlier. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you listening to the recent podcast series, Icon? By the way, on the Ringer. On the Ringer. Uh, they've, they've been talking a lot about Julius Irving and how he's totally unappreciated and overlooked. And yeah, that's yeah. Jack Mack, right? Jack McMullen. Yeah, Jackie McMullen. Yeah. And and what and one of the points she makes is not only was he a transcendent basketball player, but he was one of the first basketball players to become a successful businessman. Yeah. Magic gets all the credit for that, but Dr. James, like, but she had like a Coke bottling plant or something he owned. And, yeah. He united the league. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, if it wasn't for him, the merger wouldn't have happened. <clears throat> the, the power of Julia serving. I, mean, eventually, but. I can I can share the power of Julia serving. Two years ago, I gave her a Julius Irving bobblehead for Valentine's Day. Oh no! It's every girl. It's every girl's dream. <laughs> and, my, and, and, she, and she will honestly tell you it's the greatest Valentine gift she's ever gotten. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> I guess one subject we haven't talked about is style in sports, and Julie Serving has, I think, is the high one of the highest ranking oh, style. Clyde's up there too. Yeah, I, I think Julia Serving is the classiest athlete in the history of sports. I really do. I wouldn't call him the goat, but he is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are you speaking from personal experience? <laughs> Very good. I used to watch Julie Serving in the ABA. I was a Nets fan as a little kid. That was peak, Doctor J. Yeah. Biggest afro, multicolored ball, and he would do things I still haven't seen people do. It's why the seventies. Who's the female? Is it Serena? Serena. Oh, yeah. Wait, can you think of another female? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to work for the WNBA, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to cover Olympic women's soccer, so I, yes. But, uh, but yeah, it's Serena. It's, it's, who's yeah. the greatest women's soccer player of all time? I'm asking you. <laughs> you came at me hard. <laughs> Uh, it is Christine Sinclair. Mia Hamm? Christine Sinclair. Christine Sinclair. She's Canadian. Canadian. I know, I only own an Amer American one. Wait, I'm curious though. So, uh, our country? World Cup countries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the answer to that question might, might be Marta. And how many people in this in this room even know who Marta is? Probably the greatest women soccer player ever to play in the sport. I think she's even still playing it. No, five years old. No, no. <laughs> she did retire. Okay. No, no, no. What, what about what about those in single non-team? Okay. Yeah. Like uh, like Federer or Martina Navratilova, Steffi Graf. Who was the guy? You know. I, when I say Navratilova, I'm showing my age because that was the first great woman tennis player I knew of. You know, See, here, here's here's my theory on that. If you have to have a debate, they're not the goat. There's no goat. Yeah. There's no, and I know it comes down to personal, I and mean, that's the beauty of sports is the debate. But if you have to have a debate, it's not the goat. You know, I mean, I think Serena is in tennis. I mean, there was Chrissy Everett, Martina, mm -hmm. all kinds of great ones. Um, tennis is so weird though, because like in men's tennis. There were always, it seemed like every champion of that era is the GOAT. 
you know, Federer's the goat. Well, no, before, Nadal's the goat. Well, before that, you know, McEnroe was the goat. Oh, I got to go McEnroe all the way. Personality or it's all personality on McEnroe. Mm -hmm. The guy Style. was insufferable for quite a while. He was just a New Yorker. But when when Tatum O'Neill divorced him, his wedding gift from Andy Warhol was a painting of the, them together. Yeah, and he ripped it in half. That's the same thing Andy got us. The man tore in half and uh, <laughs> a Warhol painting <laughs> of he and his ex-wife. That's just, balls. That's you just balls. admire the bitterness. So that brings me to my next. And now he's doing a. Uh, Foot fungus commercials, you know. <laughs> I think McEnroe had the most the beautiful game. Yeah. 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 That's a good segue, actually, because I wanted to ask about pettiness in sports. I it bothers pettiness. me. See, it bothers me I that it's it. celebrated. I don't think it's great. I love it because I find myself to be slightly a petty person, and I like to see the people on the TV doing it, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as petty as they are. It's a big but... part of fandom. Oh, what yeah. do you guys mean by petty? Give me an example. Well, so I'm thinking I'm going to do the James Harden thing again. Um, he had posted something on Instagram when he was playing for um, – it must have been when he was playing for the Nets. And it was something – there was a picture of all the players in New York, or the stars in New York, and he had it altered just to show his team or just to show him. And everybody else receded into the background. <laughs> And I was listening to sports radio, not you. <laughs> and whoever it was, <laughs> it wasn't in Boise. Whoever, whoever was doing it was like, that's great. I love that. That sort of pettiness is fantastic. And I was like, how are you going to tell your kid that's fantastic? My, my favorite was uh, Russell Westbrook when he was still in Oklahoma City. Uh, the year that KD went to the Right, Bay Area. right. The, the cupcake thing. And, you know. They're, they're doing it, and he's talking about the movies he's going to watch when the finals games are on. He's like, tonight we're watching Sister Act 2. Just like, fuck yeah, Russell. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Because that's the best Sister Act movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's funny. Yes, I don't, like, yeah, we're, we're obviously living in the same house, but yeah, the standing over your opponent and cheering. I yeah, I don't love that. Okay, when when Juju Smith Schuster took out uh, Vontez Perfect and stood over him as a kind of a revenge. Well, that okay, but that is a history gonna, behind well, it. Well, no, no, but that was like the year before, and Juju was a rookie that year, and he's standing over him, and I was just like, I like that guy. And he wasn't yeah. even there for the original. Oh, he wasn't. Like that. Okay. No, no, he. It was his rookie year. Yeah. I, I mean, was. I, I was gonna say. I, th I think it's. It's great. I think it's part of sports, and I, I think it's ridiculous that like the NFL uh, penalizes players for no taunting. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just part of sports. It's part of the exuberance of it. It's part of the celebration of, of achievement. Yeah. 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 Football. yeah totally. That's so funny because I'm the exact opposite. I am too. I'm a women class guy, and I think, and even like even that era is gone. My brother-in-law is a big taunting, gloating guy. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't play that game. That's not everything we do now in the world is taunting and gloating. I, mean, I don't think that's great. It's not either. the best thing, but it is the reality of where we're at. I like the fact that the NFL has a rule for that now. I mean, standing over a guy and talk, you can celebrate without getting the other person involved. You can do all. There are right. so many creative yeah. ways to celebrate, and celebration should be celebrated on an athletic field. Period. Taunting, I think, pushes it just a little well, you, too much. For you know why people... They oftentimes penalize them for celebrating. Yeah, that's right? true. We're getting away from that. We're starting to get yeah. away from that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You're right. And you, right. you know why taunting is a recent... I mean, taunting didn't happen before because you'd get a fastball in your ear. Yeah, or Lambert would punch you in the face. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> or Dick Buckus would separate your head from your body. Exactly. 
Um, we're gonna we're starting to wrap it up here, uh, talking about talking. And so I'm gonna I, I have a controversy page. I'm gonna ask some controversial questions. Uh oh, I've already asked three of them, but I'm gonna go to this one. What uh, what can Major League Baseball do to be relevant? <laughs> Nice. There's nothing it can do. It's too late? <laughs> it's too late. I think Major League Baseball is relevant. There's fans in the stands more than ever before. Yeah. The one way to be more relevant in the, in our lives, because everything that we do when it comes to Major League Baseball is watching it through our television, less, less product. I don't need nine games a day on 19 different channels. But does the same go for basketball? Yes, Absolutely. There's never been more fans in arenas of basketball, stadiums, and baseball. Um, Do you think the fans in baseball are there largely for nostalgia? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're there so for, it's weird to me to go to a game to view it for the sake of nostalgia. You know, it's, like it's a father-son tradition kind of thing. Yes. Less so than just like an active interest in do the you, game and sport. Yeah. Do you think it came to that because it was being sold as that? Probably, yeah. I mean, it is this crazy rite of passage where, where yeah, fathers yeah. will go out there and spend a mad amount of money because they have to have this bonding experience with their, <laughs> their kid who's usually too young to even know what's Which going is, on well, and hates to sit there for three hours watching. A two-year-old cannot sit there for <laughs> yeah. three hours. I'm here to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, which is weird for me to hear because if I go watch a Major League Baseball game, it's an, it offends my sense of nostalgia because it's not the same game. You know, there's, it takes 10 minutes for every pitch to be thrown. Everybody's huge. Know, as long as they have the pierogies bracing each other. I like that. <laughs> you go for the pierogi. Oh, yeah. The pierogi race is one of the best things. The pierogi beat the sausage. It's a real nice time. You know, these little little things that happen in between the, the plays. Are you taking stuff. notes, Mike? <laughs> See a potato race? But, but ask Mike. You know, ask Mike. Um, and I've been, I've, been covering the Boise, I've been covering the Boise Hawks in this town since 1990. And... I don't think they've ever been more relevant than they are now. And, and ask him about his crowds and, and, and how 10 years ago it was 2,000 people and eight years ago it was 2,500 and, and three years ago it was 3,000 and he's pushing four on a given night now and it's growing. Where, who else is growing their business? Well, so I think baseball is as relevant in the ballpark than ever before. Yeah. But that's why I said Major League Baseball. Is that a shot at Mike? No, no. Minor League Baseball is relevant. I worry about Major League Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Or 24. I firmly believe that in our lifetime, that the NBA, by the time we all die, the NBA will be more popular than the NFL. I think it's getting close. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really do. Not gonna happen. No, I mean it's you know I mean it's yeah I mean it's ahead of hockey. 
Yeah, I think it'll pick up. <laughs> I don't know why it hasn't happened yet because I feel like the push to start making, you know, having people play soccer in a youth league. I mean, youth soccer is is, is it the biggest youth? We've spent trillions now? of dollars trying to get kids into <laughs> soccer. <laughs> <laughs> but why would that be? It doesn't require any equipment. <laughs> Yeah, you just need a ball. So soccer in the United States, is, it's all organized. We've taken the fun out of the game. Yeah. Like wherever, you, if you go into other countries, they're playing it in the streets like yeah. we play basketball. And so it's a totally different... That's what they different, play in the streets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, for baseball to be more relevant for me, um, with the new collective bargaining agreement that they just did to, in their mm-hmm. lockout... lockout. Um, I think that Bob Nutting needs to take the $300 million that he's pretty much getting and invest a little bit in the team to do something for the fans or finally just sell the team. Bob, we get it. You don't want the Pirates to be good. You make more money running it like the producers. <laughs> you know, just sell the team. You're, you're killing the city and, and their sports fandom in Pittsburgh. Fuck you, Bob. Sell the team. That'll help in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's a beautiful park. You know, you get the you get to watch all these in this beautiful park. You get to watch all these really talented, great teams come in and beat your team. <laughs> the food's great. You're right there on the river. It's gorgeous. They just he he won't spend money on getting a team. When they start winning, he just gets rid of people because it's going to cost too much money. The guys just playing the odds to try to keep a loser to make money off of it, like Mel Brooks, the producers, and it's a shameful thing. So I was going to do a Q&A at some point, but I feel like the cues have been flying pretty uh, consistently. So yeah, if you've got a question... Oh, I got an a. I was a big anti-DH guy as an old guy and a traditionalist, but I kind of like it. The designated hitter where pitchers don't bat. It's been in the American League for 47 years. And only one yeah. league does it. Yes. No DH. I thought that. You play the game. um, You play the game. You play it. Everybody plays. But as someone who used to coach high school baseball, got another kid in the game. It was awesome. You get to play today. You get to hit. And the pitchers would go nuts. I can hit. I know you can. Yeah, but at that level, they should be able to hit. Well, yeah. I mean, you could also argue... They're like, wait, so you're a 25-year-old DH and you've just been a DH your whole life? Here's my number one anti-DH thing. The look on Bartolo Colon's face when he hit that home run was the most ecstasy I've ever seen (laughs) on the face of a grown man. When he was running around those bases at 295 pounds and just the sheer joy and ecstasy. And now you want to DH this poor guy and take away his joy. Those moments are few and far between. I was going to say, the other 700 bats before that, he went back to the dugout with his pants around his ankles. (laughs) I love sports at the highest level. I don't need to see a pitcher try to swing a stick at a ball and missed 99% of the time. But his one shining moment was the most beautiful thing I saw that year. I can't take that away from you. No, okay. I won't. We won't You're not wrong. Try. Thank you. You're not wrong. <laughs> a big boy is doing good, Mike. You should love this too. <laughs> I just don't need to see his pants around his ankles every other time. Question. Oh, okay. That's yeah. I, yes. Oh, that's well, a that's a but, level of expertise for me. But, I have. but foot 
football is the big revenue sport, so that's the one that they talk about most. Name, image, and likeness is the greatest thing that's happened in sports in a long time. Yeah, student athletes getting paid finally is a beautiful thing. Um, we're very proud at Idaho Sports Talk and KTIK, and we do it every month. We give a. It's, it's weird to say I bring a student athlete onto my show every every month, and I give them a check for five hundred bucks. Next Tuesday, it. Hannah Bailey, Boise State softball player. None of you have ever heard her. Go check her out. She's amazing. She's going to come on my show, and we're going to give her a check for $500. Some people are criticizing. The Alabama quarterback has a million dollars in his bank before he even gets to campus. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Give it to him. Yep. I don't care. Give yep. it to him. Is there any other system that tells people they can't earn money no. While, no. While, while, while institutions are earning Can- so much, billions, you know, billions. billions yeah. There's going to be abuse. There's, they're working on loopholes now. They're yeah. trying to fix the loopholes. It's chasing money, and it's gonna. There's gonna be ugly incidences. It's beautiful, oh, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing, and not just football. Every athlete. But the abuse before. Well, so the issue that I think she's bringing up, I was going to play devil's advocate and say, you know, a college scholarship. Is worth, you know, with room and board, it's $70,000 a year. That's a good living for someone who's 18 years old. The problem would be what they do when they get to college. Yeah. Do they really want to go to college and go, sweet, I'm going to get a degree? Or they're like, two years, I can get out of here. So that's when it gets kind of murky, I think. I love the the merchandising. To me, that's the perfect solution. Yeah. But, you know, they're 18 years old. They're adults. They can make decisions based on their education and their careers. And we don't tell any other 18-year-olds in the world. That you cannot go make a living in this thing you're really good at. Except people that are really good at sports by the time they're 17 are convinced they're going to make $100 million playing sports. And there's no way to dissuade them from that. That's a parental issue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like when, when you're in get an MFA program and everything's, right. I'm going to be the guy. People chase their dreams all over it's the place. It's going to be me. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, You'd start happy. What is my answer? One hundred percent. For me, that's that's easy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Kristen Armstrong here in Boise. Yeah. Um, I first interviewed her in 1997 when she was a triathlete, and she was at the Olympic trials in San Antonio, and she had to pull out because of arthritis in her hip. And then two years later, she became an Olympic cyclist. And four years later, she went to the Olympics. And then we see her today, and she's got three gold medals. And she was, I told her this to her face, she had no business winning three gold medals. But she did it, and then she brought it all back to the community. And she's opening up gyms and and doing kids' clinics and showing up at appearances. Um, And she does a classy, and she does everything that she possibly can. She's not at the national level. She's not at the international level. But she's competed and she's won freaking gold medals. And then she brings it back to a small town community and acts like just um, just a small town girl trying to do well in her community. I love Kristen Armstrong as an athlete. And uh, if every athlete was like her, we wouldn't have panels like this. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a relief. Grant? 
I don't know. I'd have to think about this for a while, but I'm just going to say Muhammad Ali on the global level. I mean, he took he took a stand and protested the Vietnam War and lost his title. You know, that was incredibly brave. I don't know of any other uh, athlete who's done something like that. And then what he did for racial equality and just him uh, pushing issues that, that really no one else was pushing in the way that he was and putting them on the table for discussion. He, so, yeah. He was once the most hated man in America, mm-hmm. and then became the most popular man in the world. I mean, think about that. Now, if we're going to have a conversation about him as a husband, we probably have to have another conversation. <laughs> yeah, nobody's perfect. Um, I think, despite what we said earlier, I think mine's Steph Curry. Um, I just think he knows how to be famous. And like, you love the shoe story. Like a little girl wrote in and said, how come there's no Under Armour's for girls? And like a month later, here's your Under Armour's for girls. I like minor stuff. I'm a small time guy. And I, it just, I think to be able to conduct yourself that way goes a long way. Right. He, and he funded the Howard University golf team. So that, I love stuff. Curry. I love stuff. Curry. Are there any other questions? Or should we wrap this up? <laughs> I've never made a sports bet. No, I was basically disqualified from my NCAA pool like within minutes. <laughs> I picked Iowa to go to the Final Four. I, th- I thought this was their year. I did it for love. But then so many other teams lost also. So. Are, to answer you, are you talking today or yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> or, or last weekend? And, and, and she's in the room, so shh. <laughs> I am the world's shittiest gambler, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, after the... Did you say that's true? Uh-oh. <laughs> There's some shade over there. Um, after the Seahawks won their first Super Bowl... I bet a guy. I was kind of drunk, and I was like, "They're not gonna, they're not gonna repeat next year." And he's like, "Yeah, they are. They're gonna do it again next year." And I was like, "Okay, whatever. I'll take that bet. A thousand bucks." So we go through the whole season. Everything's like building up, and I'm just like, "Oh shit, they could probably do it." Then it comes down to the NFC Championship game, and the Green Bay Packers have a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter, and then just pass it away. It felt like the fourth. That was the worst game. What's the first thing? The first thing I said to him after I saw him, because I was up at Tamarack at the time. And no, to go to the Super Bowl. It wasn't even to win the Super Bowl. It was to go to the Super Bowl. So I pony up my thousand bucks. I see him a week later. I was working up at Tamarack at the time. And I was like, you owe me a thousand bucks. And he's like, why? I was like, how did your fucking coach do that? But then I doubled down on uh, New England. And thanks, Malcolm Reynolds. Got your money back. Uh, I, I bet on myself to pitch for the Mets, and all I got is I got to change arms right now because my shoulder hurts too much. <laughs> Anyone else? Any questions? Yes. Oh. Is that has that been proven? I heard about it. She said things, so that's different. That's he said, she said, and those are tough. How do you investigate he said, she said? What do you think about the issue? 
Right, right, right. The, the, the NFL should have suspended Calvin Ridley for gambling. It's against the company rules. It's it's legal. It's legal in this country. And some, I can't go to work high on pot. There's rules. There's I mean, rules, you could, but there's rules, and there's I can, but there's also there's also circumstances. If I if I get caught, it's 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 illegal to gamble in the NFL. I don't care what they market. Be a big guy and and deal with the rules. Who's throwing, who's throwing games? Yeah, I think. Who's throwing games? I think that's a very ignorant thing to say. You're just throwing that out there as a blanket. Nope. Who's throwing games? That's a different issue, and no player, no athletes tank. Front offices tank, athletes don't. There's no throwing of games, dude. Come on, man. The the, the original question was a very smart question. Bothers me, and I need to be smarter when I make my decisions? Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, there are games yeah. thrown, though. Exactly. Right? We have to acknowledge that on some level. Like are there still like, games like, thrown? What does well, that the, mean? The, the, the NBA referee, I forget his name. Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue, yeah. I mean, he pretty much fessed up, right? There's been, he told him there's how been he many times yeah. I've watched NBA games. This is fixed. It must be yeah, fixed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's my does. first answer to everything. Yeah. No. It's a fix. Oh, this is fixed. There's no way that they're down by 35 right now. They're not going to let LeBron lose. You know how impossible it would be to throw a game now? It'd be impossible. There's too many moving parts. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. Front offices tank. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Even if you tried to throw a game, all you could do is increase the odds that it would turn out the way you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. You can't guarantee it. Yeah, it's going to work out that way. But but the question is, how do we feel about the leagues getting cozy with gambling interests? And I don't gamble, so I don't know. What do you guys think? I gamble. I got no problem with it. So, I mean... I gambled and, and I got no problem with it. It's a society we live in where the federal government said gambling is legal. The federal government said marijuana is legal, you know, um, or at least the states are. Um, we're, we're changing as a society and gambling is a part of it. And uh, whether we like it or not, you know, yeah, yeah. just be a smart consumer, be a smart fan. And um, be responsible. Do what you have to do. Do your own research. Do your own research. Absolutely. Remember when they wouldn't put a team in Vegas? Ah, no. Well, that's what I was going to say. Gambling has been stigmatized. It was localized. It's only happening in Vegas and Nevada. So it was like segregated off there, segmented. So it's just a matter of observing that it happens, right? Yeah. And I find the NFL hypocritical back to his original question. Ten years ago, they told Tony Romo he couldn't go to Vegas for a fantasy football convention. Right. And now we see Caesars bet GM commercials every five minutes. <laughs> and Peyton Manning is selling beer, gambling, girls. Oh, Peyton Manning, the squeakiest clean American. He's, he's out there hawking all of that stuff now. Yeah. He's turning into the Snoop Dogg of football. <laughs> Didn't his wife order him HGH when he had his neck surgery? <laughs> Wasn't that a thing? I remember that, that being a over thing. His, oh, yeah. no, it's Peyton Manning. It's a lot was, was glossed over with Peyton Manning. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to use that line, though. He's, he's, he's becoming the Snoop. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stuck on the Snoop Dogg will sell anything thing. I can't get yeah. past that. I I like Andy Warhol is the Snoop Dogg of our world. <laughs> Sh- Shaq will sell anything. <laughs> Joke's on us, Snoop. Uh, any other questions? We can wrap this up. He's like, I want to thank everyone who stuck it out to the end. This was an hour and a half. That takes some, uh, some stamina. We appreciate it. Thanks to thank Mike. You. Thanks to Happy. John. Thanks to Grant. Um, and this will be a podcast someday on the Story Forward podcast. Uh, you can find it 
go to the Facebook page, the Story Forward group Facebook page, uh, Twitter, uh, shoot, it's story.forward. And uh, Instagram backslash backslash. No, I think it's just story dot forward. <laughs> Anyways, thanks everyone for coming out. Uh, have a good time at Treeport. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Okay.